You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. When I sit there and looked at what do we want to talk about today, right, January 3rd, the start of this whole thing and why Ephesians, I came to an idea of a year of continuous praise to God becoming a living, continuous doxology. Because if we spend a whole year just trying to be a continuous doxology, guess what will happen? That, year, that one year will turn into a life of being a continuous doxology. And that's what we're called to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what does it look like to be a continuous doxology? How does that fit into our mission statement? So I went and looked at three doxologies, two by Paul and one by Jude, and then looked at it based on our three main focuses. Love God, love others, and make disciples. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to read the three doxologies. Then I'll define doxology. Um, and then we'll, we'll unpack it. Uh, I'm going to go to three different places. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17 will be the first doxology we look, like, look at. Then I'm going to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And then I'm going to go to Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to apologize right now. I got the sniffles. And in this day and age, I got to tell you, it's not COVID. And it's not a cold. I think it's the dust from construction. As I've gotten old, I've never had allergies before. I used to walk through cornfields and cotton fields and pollinating citrus and never had a problem. But as I get older, dust bothers me. So I apologize for that right now. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. This is what the Word of God says. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And this is what God's word says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the last one is in Jude chapter 1. Verses 24 and 25. Again, this is what God's word says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through, Christ, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So we need to ask ourselves some questions. What makes Paul and Jude explode with verbal praise? What in, the, what in these texts has got Paul and Jude, what did the Holy Spirit do that they just explode with praise? Both outward and verbal. The other thing that we need to ask ourselves is what... Or how would God be glorified if the body of Christ was, is, 
and lived in a continuous doxology to the triune God. What would that look like in our community? What would it look like in our world? What would it look like to each individual believer sitting in this room that if we took you, we just sit there and concentrated of growing you up in Christ Jesus to every day your amazement at God would live to you in a doxology. You can do anything but verbally praise him and glorify him. The circumstances of these letters are really quite interesting when you look at this. In 1 Timothy, there's actually two doxologies. I'll talk about the other one. So it's really interesting when you look at the context of Timothy. So Paul is writing Timothy probably just after being released from prison or possibly still being in prison uh, in Rome with the possibility of being let out of his first prison sentence. So Paul was in prison twice. Uh, the first one, they let him go. The second time, he became a martyr. So 1 Timothy is, was written there. The Ephesian one, Paul's in prison, the first prison term. So either way, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus or Timothy, who is, who is his spiritual son. So he has known Timothy most of his believing life. And he discipled Timothy. And you can go and Timothy is, is, he says it himself, that you are my spiritual son. So that's who he's writing to in 1 Timothy. Jude, for most of you that don't know, Jude was Jesus' half-brother. Um, and Jude's letter is to a church warning them about falling away. Apostasy. So Jude's doxology comes at the very end of a very short letter warning the church about falling away and false teachers. But out of that really strong teaching, at the very end comes this beautiful doxology, right? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And we'll talk about that as we get there, okay? So let's look at this word doxology. Doxology passed into English from medieval Latin, and it's, a, it's two words, it's doxa, which means opinion or glory, and loga, which means word. So basically it says a verbal or written expression of the glory of God. That's what a doxology is. It's interesting that it goes all the way back to a Greek term called dokian, meaning to seem or to seem good. So the whole root word came from, it is good to praise verbally the creator of the universe. And so again, what we want to look at as we go through today is how do we become the bride of Christ that 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, we live a doxology. That we see everything in his created order, no matter what the circumstances are that we're living in, a reason to praise and glorify God. How do you think that would look in this community? How do you think that would look to the lost? How do you think it would look to Ed? Right? What's it, what, how's it going to feed us as brothers and sisters in Christ? How does that look to the lost? How does that look to our political system? How do we do that in a biblical manner? And that's one of the reasons we're looking at going through the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians has this marvelous beginning of this amazing God. And everything he does is to the praise of his glorious grace. 
And then you learn all this deepness about God and the deepness about my salvation. And then he stops right about chapter four. He goes, here's how to live it. And if I live it that way, guess what I'm doing? I'm doing a doxology to my creator. So there's a common formula in these three doxologies. There's a magnificent truth about God followed by our response. So go to chapter, let's look at 1 Timothy just so you get the formula down. And all doxologies are about, about this type of formula. So there's a magnificent truth. So 1 Timothy 1.17, we see this truth. Here's the truth. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. There's the truth about God. Then here's our response. Here's the praise that we cry out to him. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. All doxologies have that formula. So if I become a living doxology, I'm constantly looking at all the marvels that God's done. I sit there and look at Rihanna and just marveled at how God brings her to him and how he's growing her up. I marvel at, at who he brings on a daily basis. Right? I, I sit there and look at this magnificence of the only true God. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then my response in looking at all of that is praise to you. All glory and honor to you. So I want to look at these three through our three purpose statements. Love God, love others, and make disciples. So the first one we're going to look at is the first Timothy. And I want to look at the context. So remember, 1 Timothy is a letter of Paul written to Timothy, who is his spiritual son, right? So the, it's very close. It's really, actually, if you read it slowly and don't look for deep theology, just sit there and read it as a letter of Paul to letter Timothy. It's a hugely intimate letter to the young man that he loves. This is my son, right? And, and, and it's pretty much that way, guiding him to what it's going to look like to be a good pastor of God's word. So the context is, is verses 15 and 16. So let's read 1 Timothy, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to jump all the way back to 14 because a text without a context is a pretext, a proof text. So let's go all the way back and get the whole text. So he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a prosecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. This saint is trustworthy and deserving of all of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul, as he's leading up to this doxology, sees his salvation. Sees it totally in Christ Jesus. Sees who he is. He is a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. And the only thing that changed him was God. 
And so he sees this God who is transcendent. He sees the only God should come into this world. And this, this, this only God, there is no other, comes in this world to do one thing. And in his creation, he's going to save it through his son. And then he sees that in this marvelous act of divine condensation, he displays his glory. So let's pick it up. His first thing he says in verse 17, as he, as he looks at what happened to him and why he loves God, the first thing he sees is God is eternal. He's self-existent. He doesn't need anything. There's an old doctrine we don't teach much anymore, and I've mentioned it several times up here. It's called the aseity of God. There's nothing that I can add to God. God is not lacking anything. There's no want in him. He is complete, 100% perfect being, self-existent. I can't add anything to him. He's not wanting. He didn't create because he was lonely. He created because he's a creating God. And Ephesians 1 will say that he created to glorify his son. So there's a purpose. When he said, let there be light, the purpose of his creation was already there. And Paul sees that. He is is the eternal king. Then he names two attributes of God's being in 17. He's immortal. The Greek there means not perishable or not subject to destruction. I love that definition of that word. Again, all, he's immortal. God is not subject to destruction. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have existed simply because they exist. Nothing created them. Nothing then can destroy them. And in that, what's amazing that drives us to love God is he says, because I'm this way, one of my attributes is love. I'm going to create. And you're going to see my love displayed in my creation. You're going to see my love beautifully uh, it, uh, demonstrated in my creatures that I create in my image. And then you're going to see my love even more amazing. If that's not enough, amazing enough, then he says, you're going to see my love and how I reconcile a lost world back to me by the sacrifice of my son. And that's all this love of God. Never subject to destruction. God's love cannot be destroyed by anything. Then you see this invisibleness, this unseenness. Paul picks it up in his second doxology in, in chapter 6, or First Timothy says... He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is in immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor, eternal dominion. Amen. Paul has a right view of God. He is invisible, unseen, And what's still amazing is I can know him without seeing him. I can feel his presence without seeing him. He is spirit. Another reason to love God. 
And then in the last part of this is he's the only God. Now, we always have to remember that because man, since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have loved to create gods. And the greatest God we want to create is ourselves. We like to elevate ourselves. And the last time I got up this morning, I tried really, really hard to create a peach tree in my backyard at just saying peach tree. Guess what? Didn't exist. Why? I'm simply not God. I can't create ex nihilo. That's something only God can do. Listen to, the, listen to Isaiah in chapter 44. This is God addressing who he is. Isaiah 44. Verses 6 through 8. And again, this is what the Word of God says. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. So he's sitting there telling the Israelites and everybody else who thinks there's another God. He says, who's like me? If there's somebody like me, proclaim it. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, proclaim it. Tell me you're God. Let him declare and see it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witness. Is there a God beside me? There is no rock. I know not any. What I love about 44, a God has to know everything. What was the example? He said that if you're a God, declare it to me. Declare the past and let it come true. Today, declare the future and be around here to to declare that it happened. And then maybe you're a God. Guess what? Only one God does that. The God we find here. Not a Greek mythology could do it. Confucius couldn't do it. Muhammad couldn't do it. So Paul, understanding his salvation in 1 Timothy 15 and 16, gets to this point of just amazement at what God did to him And he cries out to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only true God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And this God says, Tim, love me. Tim, I will will give you the capacity to love me. I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. I will have my son die for you. And guess what? In that capacity, I will give you the ability to love me. So there's the first doxology. The second point of of our our church is to love others. So we're going to look at Ephesians on this one. Again, I want to look at the context of Ephesians and what Paul, what is Paul seeing in Ephesians that drives him to the doxology that he did there? So we're going to go to chapter 14, or excuse me, chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And what we see are three things that drives Paul to uh, this doxology of Ephesians. He sees power. That's verses 14 through 16. 
He sees love. That's verse 17. And he sees a maturing church. That's verses 18 and 19. So let's walk through these. So just before he goes into this doxology, Paul is writing this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Where's my power to live a continuous life of a doxology going to come from? Certainly not going to come from me. And God knows that. He says, guess what? I'll equip you. I get that power. Get, get verse 16. That he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17. There's a so. Here's why he strengthens. So that Christ may dwell, may dwell in your hearts through love that you may be rooted and grounded in love. And the love there is to two things. God and his people. So this power that he gives me allows me to love, totally unconditional, his people. And then he says there's something else we need to do. Grow up. I could take this one and go into the disciple one, but it flows really nicely, so we're going to keep going. Eight, verses 18 and 19. In love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, there's a loving others, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And it gets done with that truth, right? Here you have a power that God gave you in your salvation through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit works in you to give the power to love. To love God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then all my creatures. And then he says, not only that, through that you have the ability to grow up together in the body of Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then through all this truth, what does Paul do? He cries out and praises God. Again, the context flows, and this is what the doxology flows out of. So look at verse 20. So we, we look at power, love, maturity, verses 14 through 19. And then Paul does this. Now, here's the truth. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. He, and so he, he, he already said in verse 19 that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now he says, and he's crying out in this beautiful truth, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. So Paul is saying there's a truth about God that whatever you ask, he will do it more abundantly. More abundantly than what you just asked for. Right? We can never ask for something more than God can give. That's because he's God. That's one point because his otherness is there. And the other part is he loves us. And that, Ed, you'll ask for that. And God said, Ed, Ed, ask for more. If you need strength to make it through the night, ask for more strength to make it through the night. 
The Tullesons, when you're sitting there in the little, and Theo is, is really not wanting to go to sleep, ask God for that more strength to get you through the night because what? He promises to give you more. Now to him who is able to do far more more abundantly than all that we may ask or think according to power at work within us. So we cannot ask for anything that he will not provide more. I'm not teaching prosperity here. I'm talking about the needs within the context of the book. The strength, this fullness, this ability to love each other. We cannot think of anything that he will not tell us to go more. Father, help me love my wife more. God would say, oh, you can love her a whole lot more than you even think. And not only that, you will say you want to love her this much. You know what, Tim, I'll do? So that you, at the end, say to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I'll show you to love her more than you ever thought you were capable of loving. And not only that, Tim, everybody that I have called to FMCC, I will show you how to love them more than you ever thought you'd be able to love them. What an amazing truth. So Paul is sitting here writing to the church of Ephesus. And he's sitting there again looking at all the things that God has granted him. Strength and love and maturity in the doxology, the truth that comes out of that. He goes, it's so much even better than this. Because in my human capacity, I have no ability to go beyond what I think that a self-existing God won't do already for me. You ever just stop at that? How many times do you, in our thinking is, I just can't do that? Well, Paul would say, well, yeah, you can. The Holy Spirit inspired me in Ephesians chapter 3 to tell you you could because your God said he will help you do it more abundantly. And not only that, you can think deeper. Go deeper. Number two. So we have love God. We have love others. And now we get to make disciples. So what is the context here that Jude has his, uh, his doxology? It's really the whole book of Jude. It's a small little letter. I'm going to focus on verses 17 to 23, but let me give you just a really quick outline of the rest of it. Verses 5 to 16 talk about, talks about God's judgments. There's three historical judgments. There's a judgment against Egypt. There's a judgment against fallen angels. And there's a judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah that Jude uses an example that God will judge those who rebel against him. That's verses 5 to 7. Then there's three sins that he writes about that warrant judgment in verses 8 through 10. There's sexual sins. There's denial of the lordship of God. And there's slander of loyal angels. Do not slander Michael. Do not slander Gabriel. Why? They're fighting a battle. They're loyal to the one true God. It's an amazing book if you've never read it. It's a short little read. Then there's, then there's some woes or oracles. Don't be like Cain. Don't be but like Balaam. 
And don't be like Korah. So that's the context, right? That's what, as he's writing this all down, um, Jude is saying, it's going through Jude's mind at the end of it, he comes out with this beautiful doxology. But what I really want to look at is uh, verses 17 through 23 to get the near context of what really drives this. So it starts this way. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of your Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers following their own godly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devout of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Verse 22. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I want you to all go home in the next couple of weeks and read 22, 19, 20, 21, 22. When you get to 22, I want you to turn your Bible to, to uh, Zechariah and read chapter 3, because that's what's on Jude's mind. And I'll let you guys tie it together in Zechariah. But I want to concentrate on, on what is in Jude's mind that drives him to say this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with joy. So you see in 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, here's his warning. You shouldn't be surprised when people torture the gospel. You shouldn't be surprised when people divide churches. You really shouldn't be surprised when anybody goes against biblical Christianity and softens it up. The apostles said that was going to happen. Why does it surprise you? Why in the world do we as a body of Christ get angry every time that happens? The worst word that can come out of any believer's mouth is, i got to make God relevant. I can make a self-existing, always eternal, one true God relevant. He's simply relevant because he is. Pure and simple. And his relevancy should drive me to All glory and honor and majesty be yours forever and ever. Amen. That's what Jude is seeing here. None of this teaching should surprise any of you. Why does it surprise you? Apostle said it was going to happen. So what should you do? You should disciple. Because I can't have mercy on those who doubt. The The ones that are doubting, I can't have mercy on. I can't save others by snatching them out of the fire of dangerous teaching if I'm not discipling. If I'm not committing my life to stand by you and grow you up in the body of Christ. That's what Jude sees. I love verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, I'm never going to stumble if I stay within his will. 
I'm never going to stumble if I begin to live a life of continuous praise because he's going to guard me and present you blameless before the presence of his glory. And look at the next three words. Rest on this with great joy. God is working in us to preserve us and he finds joy in preserving us. Do we? Do we find joy in God as he preserves me? As he perseveres me? As he holds me up in the tough times? If I find joy in that, guess what my life will be? A continuous doxology of praise. Self-existing, creator of the universe. Maybe today, go for a walk. Maybe go down to Cypress Marsh and count all the different type of vegetation you see. Maybe do that in your backyard. I could do it in my St. Augustine grass where it becomes really bare because there's probably 22 different species of grass and weeds growing up in that bare spot. And God found joy in creating all of them. If you read Genesis chapter 1, very literally... All the stars in the skies were almost an afterthought to a self-existing God. We sit there and marvel. God goes, oh, I'll create some stars. And why did he create the heavens and the stars? So that you two could gaze at them tonight and find the marvel of your God. Because all they do is scream, I exist. And if you're amazed at all the stars in the sky, I put them there because I find joy in you. And if I find joy in you, I love you. And if I love you, I just want you to gaze at my creation, be in marvel of who I am. That's what he told. That's what Paul saw in 1 Timothy, right? Heaven is a place of joy. Why don't we live it here? Jesus said in Matthew 25... Enter into the joy of your Lord. He keeps us from stumbling by securing us within the body of Christ. That's the most holy faith. The church, the body of Christ, and everything it has and will accomplish is a fellowship or community which God the Father established in Christ Jesus to secure cure us he says I will hold you up I'll keep you from stumbling guess what I put a way to do this within my body of Christ I put an order to do that my son paid with it for his blood he ransomed you into it it's called discipleship go disciple go disciple again the church the body of Christ and everything it has and will accomplish that's a second doxology right we looked at more than anything we can ever imagine, God will accomplish through his church. And then verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That's community. That's discipleship. So I got four things in conclusions, and they're short. Here's who we need to 
Here's what we need to teach. Here's what we need to love each other through. Here's what we need to shepherd ourselves into. Eyes open to the wonders and workings of God. Every day. We get so busy in this world that we jump up, we get busy, and we find no wonderment in it. How many of y'all like coffee first thing in the morning? Even Bob's coffee. <laughs> Bob's makes great coffee. I, I just wait for Sunday. Do you ever just get up in the morning, start your cup of coffee, and find wonderment in God and the aroma of coffee? He does. He finds joy in coffee. He created it. And he created it for what reason? Because someday somebody was going to discover it, figure out how to brew it, and say, oh, God, I stand in amazement of you. May all glory and honor be yours. Number one, eyes open to the wonders and workings of God. Number two, be prepared to do more than you could ever imagine or think or ask. Number three, number the third one, bring others into your doxology. Invite people to come live that way with you. And the last one, and when the Holy Spirit overflows this lifestyle in you, cry out with Paul, he who has blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you for this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, thank you from the vantage point that you've given me this morning to look out to your people. And be amazed um, to uh, sit here in great wonderment of your work in each one of their lives. Uh, from the vantage point that you give me to, uh, to look at each one of them and say, God, you promised that you could create in me ability to love them more than ever thought. And Lord, I stand in awe of that. Holy Fathers, we walk out today. Um, may our doxology, continuous doxology, begin. And everything we said, your creation, you created for us to be amazed and find joy in who you are. Our brides and our husbands that you've given us, our grandchildren and children, um, our families, both physical and this family, that your son paid for, you have given us to be amazed and find joy in. So Lord, let us look with great expectations what you will do as we study the book of Ephesians and as we walk together in the deepness and riches and, and um, treasures of your word. Uh, and we see you. And see with great joy and great honor and glory goes to you. May we live in a quorum deo every minute of our days in the shining light of your presence. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.